Women Taking the Lead, Episode 69. Sometimes we think it's a sign of weakness when you take care of yourself. Actually, it's a sign of strength. That's where the real success will be born. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Lori Lachance, who was named president of Thomas College in 2012. She is the first woman to lead the college in its 120-year history. Before coming to Thomas, Lori served as the Maine State Economist and is an author and speaker on the economy, leadership, and education. Lori holds an undergraduate degree from Bowdoin College and an MBA from Thomas College. Lori, that's just a little intro for everyone, so tell us more about you and your own beginnings. Well, thank you. It's a, really a pleasure to be a part of this podcast and to have a chance to chat with people about my journey. Um, my beginning started in a small town in central Maine called Dover Foxcroft, and I was the youngest of three girls. Um, we grew up in a very small house, uh, very humble roots, but at the time um, with parents who were very supportive and loving and older sisters who I adored. Um, I never realized or never felt any want. Certainly, uh, the small town is a great place to grow up and to feel supported through the journey. But once I got off to college at Bowdoin, um, I realized um, the wealth that was out there. And um, I had a friend tell me once, we didn't realize we were poor until they told us. And uh, so it's kind of ironic to think about that. Oh, yeah, okay. Never thought of it in that way. But um, being the youngest of three in a strong French Catholic family, um, our faith was a big part of who we were and a big part of our growing years. So I feel very blessed to have have grown up in that situation with strong friends and just a a fabulous community support. Um, My path was really what I call very unintentional. Uh, I ended up at Bowdoin College, which is um, really a a very, very fine institution. I had no idea at the time uh, anything about Bowdoin's reputation or what it was all about. And it was um, almost an accident that I got there. Uh, I was on the campus and thought it was a beautiful campus. And uh, it had a fountain. And I didn't have any fountains up in my area of the state and thought, wouldn't it be great to go to a college that had a fountain? So that is the reason I ended up at Bowdoin College and on this path. That Um, is so funny. From there, well, it's just, um, it just goes to tell you, uh, you never know what's going to influence an 18-year-old to make a decision (laughs) that they don't even realize how important that decision is in their life, and they can make it for some of the oddest reasons. But I've always believed things happen for a reason. Um, At Bowdoin, uh, it was a very difficult period in that um, I experienced for the first time a view into the world of extreme wealth and um, all that comes with that of um, boarding schools and debutante parties and things I had never, ever conceived of in my life. 
And what was interesting, although I was getting an excellent education at Bowdoin, and it was just a, a great place in so many ways, and I learned so much, um, it also made me feel as if I didn't deserve to be there, um, that I felt very uncomfortable, that I shouldn't be there, I, I wasn't as good as the other students, I wasn't as talented, I wasn't as connected, I wasn't as worldly, I wasn't as knowledgeable. Um, so it really took a, a toll on my self-esteem and how I shaped my thinking about what I would do with my own life. And it really wasn't until uh, the end of college when I realized that, in fact, um, I had some of the greatest gifts of all in family and friends and strong ties to my home community um, that gave me the strength when I launched my career and really have spent my whole career working in Maine for Maine um, to really focus on growth and prosperity of this economy. So it's been a great adventure. Wow, Lori, you clearly had quite a journey. And what I love about um, how you shared your story was your perspective, like very innocently, you know, going going through the world very innocently, you know, especially in the beginning and, you know, choosing the college because it, it had a fountain and, and wasn't that wonderful <laughs> and that you didn't know you were poor till at some point somebody told you you were right. It was just you were just living life in the moment. Right. And just Absolutely. just going through the world, being yourself. Right. And then, you know, and you've clearly come a long way and definitely have gained a success. Not everyone can say I am the president of college. So so you you've had success and gained confidence. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Well, um, there were, were truly lessons throughout my career. Uh, I started my work life at Central Maine Power Company, and um, as a female in a field of economics that was predominantly male-dominated, uh, in an industry that was historically male-dominated and male-led, um, in a state with uh, many men and from a school um, that had really only had women at Bowdoin for uh I think it was seven or eight years when I went there, uh, there had only been females even admitted to the college for a very brief period. So I came from the perspective of always being the odd person out, if you will. Frequently, my meetings and, and my start at CMP, uh, I would be the only female in the room, or I would be the only female speaking at a conference, um, the only female at meetings, or the only female going to the witness stand to defend our rape case. So um, it, it frequently put me in that situation of feeling, hmm, I hope I can do this, and realizing even that early that um, I had to overcome my own self-doubts in that regard, because I was getting potentially a, an extra layer of um, folks looking at me and, and scrutinizing, can she do it? Is she strong enough? Um, will she be able to, to live into the expectations of the various jobs? So um, there have been many, many points in my career. I spent 10 years at the power company and learned a great deal there, um, went to state government, went to run the Maine Development Foundation, and then came to Thomas. And one of the moments that I think 
was most poignant for me is I would uh, find success. Um, I was ultimately the first female state economist and at the time the youngest and served three different governors, um, all of three different parties, a Republican, a Democrat, and an independent, which was virtually unheard of in an unappointed, an unappointed position. And then was the first female named to be the president and CEO of the Maine Development Foundation. And then ultimately, in a, a very funny uh, set of circumstances, uh, became the president of Thomas College. And those three jobs, the after Central Maine Power, I hadn't applied for any of those jobs. So it was just this unintentional path that came before me, and, and you have to seize the opportunity. But even with all the success I I experienced through those um, first 20 plus years of my life, actually almost 30 years of work experience. When I took for the college, I found my really downplaying to the job and playing very small to the point of while I would share my ideas and the way I wanted to to change the way the college took on you know, projects and partners. And I had just many, many, many ideas of what we would do. Um, after, at my first review, I heard from my co-chairs of the board, why are you so worried that you can't do this job? Why don't you have confidence? We hired you because we believe you can do it. Just do it. Don't play small is what they were telling me, not with those words, but what they were getting fed up with was they could not understand why I had self-doubt because they were self-made business professionals themselves and they couldn't understand that female perspective of feeling like you didn't deserve it or you couldn't do it or, or any of the doubt that comes when you balance a very uh, demanding job in a very difficult industry with being a mother and a wife and family and community and all those other aspects. So um, it was a real wake-up call for me when um, I knew we were doing great things at the college, and yet I felt that my board was questioning me because I was questioning myself. Mm. Isn't that so true? And I'm, I keep hearing more and more about this, that it almost doesn't matter how much success you have. There are still those moments when, um, and I know in the entrepreneurial world uh, and in some others, it's called the imposter syndrome, right? When you feel like you're a fraud and that exactly. every, <laughs> one day everyone's going to wake up and realize they picked the wrong person. <laughs> oh boy, does that describe it well? I had 10 years at the power company and, and grew to be the corporate economist and then 11 years in state government as in the appointed position of state economist as a, again, the first female and then to run a statewide nonprofit. And uh, we grew exponentially in those eight years and really uh, took on a real known and appreciated statewide presence. And yet I found myself right back to square one um, because I was in a new industry. I um, was hired. All the other candidates had PhDs. I did not. I did not come up through academia. 
Um, I didn't even know the terminology. And at first, rather than trusting my instincts that what I did know is what the main economy needed to grow, and I did know people in all sectors that I could bring as partners into this wonderful college that serves first-generation college-goers. We have about 70% of our students, the first in their family to go to college. This is a place of incredible hope, incredible opportunity, and it's just a blessing to be able to lead it. And I knew what the students felt like. I knew their family experiences to a certain degree. I could certainly understand it. I could understand how college was overwhelming. And I knew in my heart I could bring something to that to make this experience truly transformative in the way higher education can be. And yet, even one year in, I was doubting my own ability to lead and really letting my creative juices flow and and just trusting myself. So it took that wake up call to snap me to attention and realize if I don't start I don't know what they call putting on your big girl pants or whatever. If I don't start really stepping into the role, I'm going to blow it. And and I certainly didn't want to blow this opportunity. So Mm -hmm. um, I started the second year, I think, with an entirely new frame of mind. Mm, Lori, thank you for sharing that story, because I I think it's important for everyone to understand that it's all just part of the human condition. And I think you pointed it out perfectly. You were do even though you'd had all this success in other sectors, you were doing something new that you hadn't done before. And that happens when we take on something new or something bigger than we've ever done before. That imposter syndrome will crop up again. Sometimes we call it the gremlin. Whenever we do something new or bigger than we've done before, that imposter syndrome will crop back up again. And and what I share with my clients is that that's a good sign. That's a red flag that you're stretching yourself and you're growing and you're taking on something new and exciting. So we can actually reframe it you know, to be a positive experience of like, oh, this is just a sign that I'm, I'm living full out right now. And so that it can, and we can use it as a motivation to do better. And I'm sure part of you, once you realized, you know, that the, the board wanted you to like play full out, that it was like a call to give it your all and do your best. It was, and it was actually so liberating and so exciting because when I had taken on the role of president of the college, um, my mind was alive with ideas, ideas of partners, ideas of programs, ideas of approaches that could be taken that could catalyze the growth of this small college. And once I knew in their comments that I had their full trust, it was so liberating because then I could just be me and do what I do best. And, um, after uh, at the development foundation we ran a number of leadership programs and i've been through a number of leadership programs and i understand that you have to get out of your comfort zone because that's where all the learning takes place and i was clearly out of my comfort zone but i'd passed right out of out of my comfort zone into the panic zone and nothing can happen over there <laughs> so i had to, right. to pull myself back into uh, the the dis- the area of discomfort and stretching and just let myself go. And it was so fun because once I grew to trust myself, um, 
which is a, such a big step for any leader, but particularly for female leaders, to trust the instincts, to trust that you're going to do things differently than a man would do. And that's okay. To trust that you're going to call on people to collaborate with you in a manner that may not um, be typical for a male to do. It's it, that we tend to grow in our leadership journey by bringing more people in and empowering them around us. And after that wake-up call, um, everything was straightforward and let's do this. And uh, the results over the next two years have just been amazing. The college has been growing at a time period where the demographics of Maine are shrinking, particularly in the college age cohort. Um, colleges around the state are seeing declines in enrollment. We have been hitting record numbers. Uh, we've built two buildings in this period of time on our small campus. We've added many unique partnerships, some of them first in the nation. Uh, we've secured multi-millions in grants and donations, and it's just been fun to watch all that's possible. <laughs> that's incredible, Lori. Now I want you to share with us a time in your journey when you had another wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Well, I did have a wake-up call back when I was leading the Development Foundation in that I encountered a very important person who was having uh, an impact on my, my self-esteem, um, my feelings of self-worth and my abilities to do the job. Again, even though we were succeeding greatly as an organization, um, I was having a lot of self-doubt uh, to a point that it almost became paralyzing to me personally. And it was starting to affect the way I interacted with my staff um, and with others. Um, once it hit, I hit a wall, which we all do at certain points. Uh, again, I had to stop the way I was approaching things. I had to retreat, if you will, um, to regain the balance in my life of what was most important, to get some emotional balance, spiritual balance, physical balance, focus on taking care of myself and all of those elements. So long hikes in the main woods, wonderful conversations with dear friends and other fellow leaders, um, very open conversations with my board and staff, and um, get my life in balance again. Because when you're going so hard sometimes and just working way too much, uh, nothing looks like it can be solved. Nothing looks like it has a positive outcome. And that's such a dangerous place to be, both emotionally, physically, spiritually. And you have to step back, reflect, and do the hard work about what you need to do differently in your life to get life back in balance. And for me, I turned to other female leaders who would listen, who would share their stories and realize mine wasn't that dissimilar from theirs. 
Um, I needed time with my family doing very basic things. I needed time in the main woods just to be in touch with nature, to relax, to let go. Um, I needed to take better care of myself. And I realize as I reflect on my career, uh, there are different points where I now have three chronic conditions. And I know that all of those have been brought about by getting to those points where you're completely out of balance and you are taking way too much stress on your shoulders and you have to let go of it for your own sanity and to enable yourself to really be a great leader. You can't be a great leader if you're out of balance. So No, no. And I thank you for really stressing that, Lori, because I don't think we hear it enough. We hear, you know, there's the chance to do more, be better, bigger, you know, bigger, better, faster, right? The American way, right? No, not to get down on America. We all love being Americans. But that kind of that mantra, I think sometimes pushes us to into overdrive and we don't realize how much damage we're doing to our bodies. When that's happening, and it's so nice to hear somebody say, you know, in order to be a leader, you have to take care of yourself. You have to nurture yourself. You have to uh, fill your own cup so that you can then give back to others and be a great leader. And I just, I just have to stress that I would love to hear that more and have that become the mantra. It's really important because I think immediately when we hit that wall when we're trying to balance being a mother, being a wife, being a community member, making sure you make cupcakes for the food sale, making sure, oh yeah, you got to make payroll at work. <laughs> you know, when you're just trying to do all those things all the time, if you don't separate time to uh, take care of yourself, um, you will hit a wall and it can take uh, a huge toll, not just on you, but on your family, on your business that you're leading. Um, you, we all think that that's, or sometimes we think it's a sign of weakness when you take care of yourself. Actually, it's a sign of strength. It's not a good thing to work around the clock. You don't do your best thinking that way. That's not when you're your most creative. That's not when the answers come to you. The answers will come to you and the ideas that will shape the future, the vision will become much clearer when you actually take time to be quiet, to reflect, to calm down, to de-stress, and to take good care of yourself. That's where the real success will be born. Mm. And Lori, what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. We're all different and we all bring different skills you know, uh, strengths, perspectives to the table. So we're going to lead differently. So Lori, how would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style has always been collaborative. And I really like to get the insights of all the people around to come up with the best solution. Um, sometimes, again, I think people look at that as potentially a sign of weakness that we're trying to just get consensus about everything. And that's not the case. It may look like it's a consensus process, but it's really not. What it is, is it's trying to make sure we at least vet to a certain extent in some limited time frame, get the very best ideas and best thoughts out on the table 
so that we can actually move forward in a direction where you'll have people willing to follow and support the decision and um, you'll have the benefit of their wisdom. And I've seen too many leaders move forward uh, because it's their idea. They think it's the best idea. (laughs) And um, I think one of the most dangerous things a leader can do is uh, not letting the people around them tell them it's a bad idea. (laughs) You know, so I really like to bring people into the process and and you have to, as a leader, you have to empower the people around you to be honest with you and give you honest feedback. And you still may end up choosing a path forward that's different than what people may have suggested, but at least you'll have the wisdom to understand that there may be other points of view. And Lori, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Oh, we have so many great things going on at the college right now. But tomorrow we'll be hosting uh, a kickoff event. We have created a Center for Innovation in Education. And we are completely transforming the way we train the teachers of tomorrow. Uh, We're creating a center that does three primary things. Uh, We're adding to it uh, teaching and learning in a proficiency-based environment, which is the law of the land in Maine in the next few years, where uh, students will progress based on their proficiency rather than by their age (laughs) group of of where they should be. And um, that's one aspect. A second aspect is we are integrating technology across the learning from early childhood through elementary, middle school, and high school, so that um, the computers that can be used in the classroom can be used as more than just um, a word processing device, but really to leverage the learning. And then the third aspect that's new is we're integrating the arts across all of the curriculum from early childhood on up to um, take it from STEM, which has gotten a lot of focus in the country, Mm -hmm. to STEAM, adding the arts and understanding that the arts will create a, a level of creativity will be unleashed that will benefit the technology and science and the kind of the harder math and engineering sides of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, that's re- really exciting for us because we think it will transform the way teachers teach in the future. And we'll be putting on a lot of institutes and opportunities for the existing teachers to come in and learn new ways of trying to teach our young students. You know, that's so great to hear, Lori, and thank you for sharing all of that, because I think we're we're constantly, again, bombarded with the messages that our education system is broken, that we're no longer serving the students, that it's outdated and is structured for the industrial revolution, right? But we're, we're beyond that. Now we're in more of a technology and online revolution right now, too, and that your college is focused on and is it has been gearing towards meeting the needs of the students today. And also thank you for explaining STEM and STEAM because I was going to ask you as a follow-up question to give us the acronym for STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And you already answered that. And it's so gratifying to hear that the arts are getting their day again as well. Well, the pendulum swings back and forth. And I think we've been a little off 
the charts to the side of, of really science, technology, engineering, and math. They are very important. But not everybody has those particular skills. And the other mindset that comes from the arts is a wonderful complement to that for really successful careers. You really have to have some training in both, I believe, to be a yes. little more well-rounded. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, or even just dabble in them a little bit That's right. you know, to have an understanding. All right, Laurie, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? Well, I have something I do at the beginning and the end of every day. I try to start the day with some form of reflection and some inspirational reading and message. And I try to end every day by writing down five things in my gratitude journal that I'm thankful for, because I've found in so many ways that will center me no matter how stressful the day has been or how stressful I'm feeling about the next day. It gives me a chance to be centered on what's really important and what I have control of and what I don't. And I've just found... um, as a practice, when you write down things every day that you're thankful for, you really will look at the world in an entirely different way. And you're just thankful for all that you have, and you don't focus on all that you don't. What is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, I have many that I've read. <laughs> uh, some of my favorites include The Art of Possibility and Live Your Dash. I think both of those are great. But the one I'm reading right now, which is excellent, is the book Thrive. And boy, that hits home in so many ways. And I think there's so much good information there to remind us how to live a a life that's full and rich instead of um, be driven on such a a fast pace that uh, we don't even live the life. We just rush through it. So I really highly recommend the book Thrive. And who's the author of that? I think it's Ar- Ariana Huffington. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to presume, but yes, I've heard that is an excellent book. It's great. And she had a wake up call. Talk about like not you know taking your self care to heart. She said that she had did a one eighty in her life. I, she was attending a meeting or doing something work related and she passed out and broke her cheekbone. Yes. Um which then set her off on a whole new path and she realized like she had to revamp her life. So it's it's an inspiring inspiring story. Absolutely. Great great um, reminder. Yes. <laughs> Don't break your cheekbones. No, no. It is not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> and Lori, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I would tell myself over and over again to focus on balance a lot earlier. Um, not to sweat it, not to uh, throw yourself into your work so fully that you don't back off till you hit the wall. It's, it's no fun to come back from hitting the wall. And I think in every major career change I've had, I've had those opportunities where I've hit the wall. And you'd think I would wise up to it um, before it takes its toll. The most recent one was I developed uh, rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> and, you know, that's something I'll have for the rest of my life. So I think uh, what I do when I talk with younger folks and aspiring leaders is say, look, You have to take care of yourself because your health, it's not worth giving up your health for any job, for any paycheck. 
for any job title um, or supposed power. You've got to take care of your health. Wow. And Lori, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Sure. Um, I try to start the um, school year here each year with some kind of quote to for us to live as, as a faculty and staff to live into, and for students to contemplate as they start their year of studies. And one of my favorites, and I'm not sure who said it, but I love it. It is set a goal so big that you can't achieve it until you grow into the person who can. And I really think that speaks to um, what I try to encourage folks to, to dream big, to, to really put themselves out there and then do all it takes to really grow as a person, to learn things, to try things, to meet other people who can help you on this journey and can help you ultimately achieve that goal, even though it's it's very big and might seem impossible at first. Really, at Thomas anyway, we just feel like all things are possible. If we can dream it ultimately and we work together, we can do it. That's inspiring. I love that quote. All right, Lori, lastly, what is the best way for those listening to connect with you? Well, our website is just thomas.edu. I can be reached through there, uh, president at thomas.edu, and would love to hear from folks. And you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. Lori, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Well, thank you so much for including me. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.